Hello and welcome to our podcast Taking Chances with me Anupama Bhalla and my co-host Soela Joshi. Today on Taking Chances we have Dhruvank Vaidya with us who has 25 years of experience in building media and entertainment businesses across Asia. He was also an entrepreneur and co-founded the Adaptation Company, a content company focused on book to film and TV adaptations. Currently he heads the podcast business for Spotify India. Dhruvank has graduated in electronics engineering from Mumbai University and is an MBA from IIM Kolkata. In our conversation with Dhruvank, we are going to look back and look forward to gain insights on business, leadership and life. Welcome Dhruvank. Hello and Soela, thanks a lot for having me. I am really looking forward to this conversation. Great. Awesome. Let's begin. Yes. Yeah. So let's get right into the conversation. And uh, Dhruvank, want to want you to go a little bit back in time and uh, look back and tell us uh, what path have you taken to get you where you are today. Start with a little bit of story. Yes. A few years back, some of my batchmates from B school said that look, let's trace the career graphs of our batchmates twenty years post MBA, right? so they kind of interviewed like from 40 50 of us and published a book and all that and there was several chapters there and the chapter in which me and three of my colleagues fell had the title called meandering career so just quickly to recap i was a consultant then went to the us then came and joined television spent some time here launched my own company which was a content company then joined a tech startup where in addition to other things i also had a cfo role and did some mna and now i'm heading again a content business so it's been quite a journey the only thing constant here is very early on i decided that i want to be in the media world and the reason for that was that technology has a very big influence on how kind of people consume media and what are the business models that come what are the revenue models that come what businesses survive what businesses die etc that fact that technology informs so much of what is happening in the industry was something very exciting for me right so when i say very early on this is about like again 20 years back i said that look i want to be in the media industry what i do there we'll kind of figure because i didn't have any formal training i mean i understand creative but i you won't call me a creative person so that's a little bit about my project yeah so pick up on this word meandering is meandering a bad thing or is that a good thing i would have not changed the direction my career to right and the reason why i kind of made the moves that i did instead of staying in let's say one company for 20 years and reaching right at the top i said look there are a lot of things to do in this world there are some things which interest me and there are others which an employer would be ready to pay me money for to do but where can i find the confluence of so every time when i was looking to make my next move i was thinking look what are the options available out here like i kind of moved from india to the us because i mean i kind of said that look i want to experience the us market i have studied here i can very well kind of build my career here but i want to experience the us market so i went there at a lower salary and lower designation spent four years did well and i came back a lot of people asked me why did you come back but i mean there are also figured that as you become senior in that country your networks matter a lot and my networks were here in india and my the kind of my family is here my family was here and also the kind of apnapan that you feel for your country i did not feel that 
So I thought, I mean, I belong here. I should be here. And I, hence, I decided to come back. I came back and joined a star team, which was like, again, people at that time, people were asking like, what, I mean, are there jobs for MBAs in like a media company? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it, they operate like any other professionally run, well-managed company. So spent a few years at Star TV, then kind of when NDTV Imagine formed, I moved there with uh, some and launched, well, actually launched a world cinema business called NDTV Lumia. Again, super niche uh, content product, but I had a lot of fun kind of launching it and building an audience for it. It was something totally new in India. I mean, we used to show our films across theaters, DVDs, as a TV channel, even in bars and clubs. So it was like we did everything around that. So I spent some a few years in TV, but I soon figured, okay, look, there was a lot of happening on the digital side. And there was nothing. So on my own, sitting here, I may not have a chance to get experience on the digital side. So I said, okay, at one point, I kind of quit and said, look, I will do something on my own because otherwise nobody else would give me a job in digital. So tried my hand a couple of startups. I mean, some work, some didn't take off. I finally then landed up doing my own company, which did book to film adaptation. And again, there I had a co-founder. So things took off. We did some really good work, got deep, went very deep into the publishing industries, into the film and TV industry. So that was awesome. And then a friend of mine, again from Star, said that, look, hey, I have this fund and we are building a whole lot of digital businesses here. Would you like to come and join? But uh, you'll have to have two roles, like one of a CFO and one of a BD person. I'm like, yeah, great. So kind of I joined and that's how I kind of entered the digital world and kind of did some really cool things there as well. Launched a business called Hashtag Fame, which is a live video streaming startup. Unfortunately, like what happens to most startups, we kind of ran out of cash and kind of had to shut down. So that was okay. I looked around for a bit and then got into the Times of India group, again in the m &A role. So that was again very different from a content digital to again media, but in a very traditional media kind of. Did a, bit of, did a few years of that and when the Spotify role came up, kind of interviewed for it, kind of I was able to draw on to a, on a lot of experience that I had on launching niche businesses as well as on the whole digital entertainment ecosystem and kind of that's how I'm here. So it's been a very kind of, it's been a very different path if I would just say. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Trivank, I was meaning to ask you about your startup business and you did touch upon it, you know, a little bit. But just to expand on that, what was your experience with the adaptation company and any of those experiences you carry with you in your work today? Right. So the adaptation company started with a core theme saying that, look, in India, we publish so many books every day. It's about some 50,000 titles get printed per year. And on the film and TV side, you would always hear that look, we have no good stories. So there was a need to build a gap, build a bridge between these two industries. Where one where there are so many stories were being uh, printed every day and the other where people were not finding great stories. So we said, okay, let's launch this business where we act as a bridge because we understand the film and TV side and we will be able to communicate that and get more and more stories over from the publishing business. So it started that way and worked really well for us for, for, for some time. We were able to close a few deals in India as well. With that, we got really deep into the publishing industry and also figured that look while licensing stories is one thing one also needs writers to adapt the books 
and kind of make them familiar to the film and TV. And the other thing was, I think we were a little bit ahead of time because deals were not closing that quickly for us. When my that digital opportunity came up, I moved on from there. My business partner continued with the business. And if you look at it now or in the last two, three years, the whole adaptation business has gone through the roof. Yes. Because with video OTT coming here, everyone wants to option books to kind of make series. So we kind of spotted the market. We did the groundwork, but we were just a bit ahead of time and kind of I stepped away from it. So one big lesson learned was that, look, I mean, kind of spotted it, but I was ahead of the curve there. And which also doesn't work in a lot of cases. If you're ahead of time, then kind of things fall flat or you don't have enough cash to kind of survive or go beyond a certain point. The market is not ready, probably. Yes, the market was not ready. So, yeah, I think that was one big learning. And uh, the other big learning was that, look, you once you are into in a space, you you start with an initial think about how the business should look. But once you're in there, you have to start evolving and changing the business to suit what the market needs at that time. Because ultimately, if money doesn't keep coming in, you will not be able to run the business for too long. And if the customers are wanting something different from what you have to offer, you have to find ways to adapt. Startups call it pivoting. So I think that was really important. I think those are a couple of things. But what I learned, I mean, I used to read a lot of books that time just to see how it could be adapted here. So what I've developed over time is a very strong sensibility of what kind of content works, what kind of books work in an audiovisual medium. So I think that sensibility, because then I used to keep track what is getting adapted, what is getting optioned. So I've that sense, I think I've developed quite a bit over time. So having experienced both sides of it now, Dhruvang, would you go back to being an entrepreneur or that's something you kind of washed your hands off, so to speak? See, entrepreneurship is hard. I mean, for everything that we read in the pink papers, being an entrepreneur is very hard. It takes a lot from you, both mentally, physically, health-wise. It has a big toll on your family. And it still has a lot of risk. As you know, about 90 to 99% of startups fail. Having said this, I think I would say that, look, if there is a way to kind of find a more flexible work situation, over time, I'm not talking right now, I'm talking 10 years hence. A flexible work situation, maybe, then I would, yeah, I would love to do something on my own. I would actually love to start a coffee business, and which is what I'm, I keep telling my wife. <laughs> and so, yes. So, actually, you know, one of our speakers uh, was saying that entrepreneurship is in the blood, it's an incurable disease. Yeah. yeah. And once been an entrepreneur, even if you have, you know, your professional career, even over there, you will carry your mindset. So in that sense, it was a very interesting uh, point that it's an incurable disease. What, what do you think about that, Dhruvank? you think it's like in your blood? So the entrepreneurship mindset does not go. Like even when you're in a job, you will think about things from that point of view, that how do you scale? How do you kind of achieve paths to profitability? And how do you rapidly deploy stuff and all that? So that doesn't change. And yes, I agree to quite a lot, large extent that entrepreneur, but whether you want to take the plunge again or not is something that I would weigh a lot before kind of doing. Okay. So another thing that, you know, is that opportunities really present, you know, themselves many a times, you know, whether it's in our career or it's in our life. And sometimes we see those opportunities and yet we don't take them. 
So are there any missed opportunities that you wish that you would have leveraged and say, oh my God, I wish I'd just taken it and, you know, it would have been so wonderful for me. So any opportunities that came your way? So a missed opportunity, I would say, like in the adaptation business, uh, in hindsight, if I would have stayed on with it, it would have been a really good. Having said that, otherwise, no such like really rosy opportunities have come my way that I was like, oh, I, maybe I should have done that. So, so but yeah, I mean, no such uh, regret. Now that you're with Spotify, Dhruvank, you know, a voice tech is booming and there's so many podcasts out there, Soila's and mine included, <laughs> and we are chatting on one. So, yeah. you know, what does your role as the head of podcasts really mean? What is it that you're out there to do now? So as the head of podcast, my role is to expand the market for audio in India across all formats. So it's both in terms of on one side, on the content side, whether it's creating content or acquiring different kinds of content, or on the user side, how to build an audience for different kinds of audio products, including podcasts. So it will mean testing out different formats, trying out different languages, trying to find that killer app for audio. Like if I give you an example for television, uh, when pay TV started in India, it was all English channels and Star World and Bold and the Beautiful and stuff like that. And the market was very small. But with the launch of KBC and the 4K serials by Kagap, I think that completely changed the trajectory of the country, right? So much so that the daily soap format became the killer app for Indian television. Any general entertainment channels you look at across languages in India have daily soaps. So that's what is driving bulk of the viewership. So that is one big thing that we have to still discover for the podcast. What is the killer app content format for podcast? So yeah, of course, that and many more. There is Live, I mean, Spotify just acquired a product which is similar to Clubhouse. When is that going to come here? Hmm. Interesting. A whole bunch of things that can be done. Anu and I are both clubhouse junkies. We like spend. Yeah, completely. <laughs> completely. We are there all the time. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that we're seeing is that there is a huge content explosion that has happened. So you have your Nagin to your Narcos. You know, there is this whole width of content that is available that people are watching. And you are in a big content space and an emerging content space. So how do you define good content and how do you define bad content? See, when you create content, you create it for a certain audience in mind. If that content resonates with the audience and the audience keeps watching it or keeps coming back, it's good content. If you find that for that particular audience, you're not able to hold the audience's attention or they drop off very early or they are not there watching, then that's not very good content for the audience that you kind of define. So it's as simple as that. One cannot judge one kind of content or the other because they all work for their audience. And that's the beauty of like such proliferation of content because now with access available with the medium and cheap data and all those things available in the ecosystem, you will be able to find your audience. Like even a YouTube channel which has 50 subscribers is still finding its audience. Like my son, like a 10-year-old has created a gaming YouTube channel. Every day he comes and tells Papa, yesterday there were 50 views, today they are 65. Right. He's finding his audience. Right. He's damn thrilled about right. it. So, right. That's a great point, actually. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, you are you're in a position where you must 
have seen and are going to be seeing a lot of content creators. So is there any content creator who has caught your eye and who are they and what do you like about them? So uh, instead of naming names, I think what is important is what we are seeing today is there are so many individual creators who are creating content with an authentic voice. They may be teaching, let's say, eight standard Hindi, or they may be giving you farming tips or cooking tips, but they do it with so much confidence. and they do it in the language which they are most comfortable and they are finding huge audience. I think that explosion of creators is like amazing what we are seeing in India today. Okay. <clears throat> so, you know, just taking from there, Dhruvang, you know, Soela just mentioned that she and I are like clubhouse junkies, but we are there for a very specific reason as well, which is, you know, trying to get answers to our questions. And when we are part of podcast groups, there are a lot of them asking this one particular question that with mm. so much out there, you know, there are millions of podcasts, like it's in the right. millions now. How do right. you stand out? What do you have to do to bring out the strength of your brand value? I mean, we've got some very good speakers on taking chances, right? right? But there are a lot of other people doing pretty similar things out there in the world. So what does we or anybody need to do to really stand out with what we are doing? I think there, are, there is not one thing that, but you have to do several things and you have to do all of them well. I think, of course, you keep creating the content that you love and what your audience loves. But also to cross promote it across social platforms is extremely important. One big thing that we are seeing, we are seeing in the podcast and audio space is that people still don't know what kind of titles exist and what is beneath that title what kind of stories being told beneath that title so to make your content available in places where your audience goes to usually is very important like embedding them in blogs for example or embedding your links in other websites which kind of where you think a similar audience comes that is important of course i mean just very nitty-gritty stuff like does the title of a show convey the kind of content it has that is very important because for the listeners coming on the app, they have just that one tile to make that decision whether to click or not. So that becomes very important. Your description, how you kind of write uh, some of the keywords, etc. All those things become very important. Asking your guests to promote their episodes and hence promote your show, that becomes very important. Yeah, I think those are some of the things that one has to do and one has to keep doing. And, and yes, I mean, that's how the flywheel will build and uh, your content will start getting more. So basically what you're saying is it has to be a very consistent effort by, you know, the podcaster and also a very clever one as well. You know, get it right, go yes. to the right places and just keep at it. Yes. A bit like a startup, really. I think the important part is consistency, as you rightly said. Post regularly, post on topics uh, that kind of resonate with you and keep at it because the audience builds slowly. Like I'm on your show, I'll talk to 10 people. Some of them will come to your show and that's how you'll build the audience. And, you know, just on the growth factor again, you know, according to you, is this upward trajectory of, you know, voice content going to continue? For example, you know, everybody's on podcasts and we were just talking about Clubhouse. You said Spotify has gotten something that is a bit like yeah. Clubhouse. Twitter is also doing the same thing. Then there's Reddit and it's an endless list. And, you know, the current pandemic has certainly contributed to it. Everybody we've spoken to has brought it up that, hey, you know, COVID's been very instrumental in all of this going up. So do you think this is going to continue once we are back to normal? And if it is going to continue this way, then what 
lessons should marketers take from it as long as they want to promote their brands with this new whole voice technology right so short answer yes this is going to continue what is happening here is that you are providing a medium which consumers are very familiar with right which is just audio uh, because like people have been listening to audios for the last 100 years since radio kind of got run and now you are providing that on the fingertips on demand and you can you have such a large variety to pick from and moreover you can listen to audio in the times you are not watching video so you're opening up one entire space of the consumer's day for voice to occupy like one of the things we say about podcasts is that you listen to them when hands are busy but the mind is free right mm. so whether you're working whether you're walking exercising commuting those are the opportunities that you will pick to listen to audio and listen to podcast and it's is the job of people like us to kind of find those right moments in the day and serve the content that you would like to consume at that point in time so now coming to brands see as audiences build brands will follow like if you look at uh, social media if you look at facebook a few years back everyone was on facebook but they had not yet opened monetization but the traffic and the audience traction built significantly there so as soon as facebook opened monetization they were able to start kind of making money from that because the audience is there and that's what marketers have to follow is that wherever audiences are they would want to be present mm, agree the other thing is that there is just so much content out there and you know for media entertainment and for content creators and for platforms is that a blessing or is it just you know too much confusion out there because there's just so much out there so what is your point of view on that so if i put myself in the shoes of my 10 year old his exposure to content started let's say maybe 7 years back right for him the world as he knows it started from 1000 channels so much youtube facebook social media audio everything so for them it's not so much content this is what the normal is for us who been exposed to a much earlier world when we used to kind of watch amchi mati amchi mansa in the evening and kind of chaiyaji and all those things <laughs> we think there is too much content right right that kid doesn't think it's too much content for that child it's like normal right and those are the kids who are on social media today those are the kids who are consuming stuff left right and center right so i don't think there's any confusion they are very easily able to navigate stuff and find the kind of stuff they want to hear and watch for us we may find it a bit disconcerting or too much but that is one can't help it i mean more and more content will will get produced different kinds of content will get produced like tiktok completely opened a new content form it just blew out through the roof and it gave rise to so many new creators who would have never created so i i it's it's great it's awesome what's happening in the industry so it's a blessing according to you completely <laughs> completely yeah no actually that that's a fair point is the world that you're born in so if kids today are coming into a world where there is already you know millions of things around them they'll just get used to working around with that and it's overwhelming for us maybe that's true right so stepping away from all this content conversation you know you've been an entrepreneur you've been a leader you've had a lot of jobs uh, that you've been a part of and incidentally we missed you at times because i think you joined around the time so ila and i left but anyway getting back to this as an entrepreneur and as a leader what is it that you think the man at the top needs to do in today's times to be the real leader 
as versus maybe two decades ago when we guys started working in today's time see one of the things that is very important for us to understand more bulk of the people in your organization are very young right? they come come in with a very different mindset they come in with a different set of values different set of work ethic and a very different approach to life and the job now it is for up to us as leaders to recognize that and nurture that because these people can do fantastic work we just have to find a way to get the best out of them so i think the one very important thing for us as leaders is how to nurture and mentor teams that work for us second thing that i strongly believe in is that one has to find a way to give to society in one way or the other whatever your way is it could be by doing something overtly or it could be by not doing something whichever way and i think each person is their own judge in this but i think everyone's responsibility is to give back positively to society and third yeah i mean there is if you find an organization whose values match yours then it's great otherwise the big struggle i the leadership level is how to kind of balance your values with organization i think these are these are fantastic right really love yeah absolutely especially the value that is very critical yeah, similarly yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. so moving on now dhruva professionally what drives you in life and what would you consider your success motivators to be so i'm going to give a very glib answer to this i think what drives me is you know wanting to keep learning new things which is why i while it's a very kind of sort of a cliche but it's something that i've kind of lived and i've kind of made my career moves basis this is that so long as you're able to learn in a, in an organization i think it's a great place to be. also there is one pace at which the organization moves and the and a different pace at which the rest of the world moves. so if i'm finding that look the rest of the world is moving much faster then i might kind of choose to make a shift so i think this whole learning and being constantly learning is really important for me from a professional standpoint success motivators i kind of i find it hard to articulate because i'm not sure what success is what professional success is and what professional success means and to kind of say this is that look at different stages in life different things matter to you like when you're very young maybe getting rapid promotions is important then at one point making a lot of money is important and after some time having some free time or not having to travel every week is important maybe later on it might be that look i just want to work 3 days a week how can i achieve that so the things that matter to you evolve over time and if you are able to find a job or an occupation which helps you kind of build that into your life then yes i mean then you are in a good place if not then kind of there will always be struggle right so i think that's a very slightly philosophical answer But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But That's only, how I look at it. Yeah. The only reason, you know, why Anu and I kind of, you know, tend to ask about success motivators is because we have a young team. Plus, you know, we, you know, engage with young people and, you know, we come with a bit of experience. And when we look back at the benchmarks that we had for success and now what we have and exactly what you are saying, they're just so different. that's something that you know you want to tell uh, you know the young team or you know your kids that you know how you measure success 
is extremely critical, you know, just running after money, running after those promotions. Does it really lead you to, you know, true happiness in that sense? So that's also a cliche, but I guess everybody has to go through it, like you're saying. Yeah. To understand. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I was saying that, look, also it's so hard to set long-term goals. If you have, let's say, like a three-year target, it's great. Otherwise, beyond that, who knows? Because life happens to you as you make plans. You never know what is going to go wrong in your life. So, uh, so yeah, I think just the like way COVID you react happened. to a bad situation is much more important than what kind of plans you make. In it. I think that is also learned from the school of hard knocks. But yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that's absolutely correct. You know, I mean, who knew COVID was going to happen? I had all these grand right. plans for 2020 and, you know, I don't even know when they're going to begin. But... I mean, exactly on that note, you know, as marketers, we've all read tons of these self-help books and, you know, seven habits, 20 habits, et cetera, et cetera, you know. But as these changing times, I mean, I don't feel that a lot of these are even valid. What, according to you, are things which just need to be thrown out the window, certain roads that one just doesn't have to go down anymore? I think for a 20-year-old, if you're kind of keeping a target that I'll be CEO by 40, I think that goal you should throw out. Because, yeah, there are like so many uncertainties. You could be a CEO of a two-member company in like the next five years. Why wait till 40? Or like, even if you become a CEO, I mean, you may be in a completely different mind space at that point in time. So, as I said, long-term planning is very hard. Uh, The other thing about these self-help books are like, there is a success bias. They kind of write them based on the ones who have succeeded. And they don't look at everyone else who's failed who are in the same situation. So, I mean, it's good to write a book, but it may not apply to your situation that you are in. Or you may be doing all the right things, but you may not reach the path that has been laid out. So, yeah, uh, I am not too qualified to give advice to young people. So, <laughs> but right. yeah, it is... Uh, no, that's true. Times are changing so rapidly that, uh, and so is technology and everything else around us. So long-term planning is certainly, certainly, you know, not conducive. Correct. So the two things that are very important is that you should always keep upskilling yourself. Hmm. I think that is most important. Wherever you are, whatever field, beyond a point, experience doesn't matter. Because there are several fields where whether you have 10 years experience or 20 years experience, the outcome will be the same. But person with the 10 years experience will do that job as well. Right. So beyond a point, experience will not matter. What will matter is that how relevant are the skills that you have. I, I think that's most important. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. So finally coming to, uh, you know, our last question, and that is around a template that all of us have, you know, visualized for ourselves. When we think about our lives, all of us in some form or the other, we do have a mental picture of, you know, this is the way, you know, our life should go. This is what we should be doing, or this is what we would have been doing. So all of us have a template in that sense. Do you have a template? And if you do, do you believe that you've achieved it? Or are you still on the meandering journey of yours to reach there? So what about your life's template? Where are you at it? If you call my template as a journey of collecting experiences, then yes, I have identified that and I'm comfortable with that. So I don't think I'll ever specialize in one thing or the other and spend the next 20 years doing this. So yeah, but beyond that, I don't think I kind of even articulate my career to myself as saying that, look, 
these are the three things that I'll have to keep doing to reach X position because I don't see my career that way. I don't see my life in that manner. As I said, that at every point in life, you have to kind of keep evaluating is that what is the most important thing for you at that point in time and see what are the kind of forces that are helping you achieve it and what are the forces against. And that struggle continues, I think. And I also feel that on an average, uh, life averages out. Right? Like you have your highs and you have your lows. Some people have their highs earlier on in life. Some people have them later. But everyone has to go through it. It all kind of averages out. It's up to you how you kind of uh, maintain your uh, head while you are low and not get too carried away when you're high because it's going to change. Even. So yeah, I think that's how I kind of approach my life. I would want to say that others should, but it's something that's it's everyone's personal philosophy. Person, right. I, I mean, a lot of people, I, I mean, most people would not agree with this perspective and that's fine. I mean, so long as you're comfortable with that, it's fine. Right. right. So interestingly, actually, we've had a few speakers, uh, Soila, if you recollect also, who've actually said that don't get carried away with too much. Don't get carried away with your ideas. Don't get carried away with, you know, things which you may think are right because life happens. And there's very little you can do about that. Correct. Right. Yeah. Extremely interesting. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about this coffee thing. Yeah. <laughs> what is the, yeah. Tell us a bit about yeah, this yeah. coffee thing. <laughs> Which is your favorite coffee? Why coffee? Why not tea? Uh, okay. Too many questions. <laughs> uh, I grew up drinking coffee. My, my father used to drink tea, but uh, somehow my... And this is like another like 10, 12 years old. So she used to make brew coffee with lots of sugar and all. And it was essentially flavored milk, but it was very tasty. But I mean, after having having grown up, I kind of tried and figured that, look, I like coffee. I want to make this the coffee and kind of grind my own beans and all that. But I was never able to get a consistent taste. So that's where I took, I took a short course in kind of how to make coffee and all. And essentially, I figured how to make consistently good coffee for myself. So I kind of every morning I drink about 800 ml of coffee. So, wow. <laughs> so and I have it almost black with no sugar, a little bit of milk. Dhruvank, you had to take a course on making that coffee? Yeah, because I was not able to get it. Yeah. I mean, the consistency, how much coffee to put. So basically you have to kind of boil and then shut the gas and then put the powder <laughs> in it. And so, so I, I, I mean, yes, some things I had to learn. So... <laughs> Uh, but I kind of, when we were in Africa a couple of years back, I bought coffee from there. In India, I buy from Kur. Mm, Kur, very good coffee. Mm. Uh, or get from Kur. Regular stuff here, it's like Blue Toka is there, a couple of other guys. Mm. Poinonia yeah. is there. So in Bombay, these are good. So when are you going to really get down to doing this? Yeah, so the plan is that my wife is from Mangalore and she has an ancestral place there. Wow. And so let's say in 10 years time when the kids are away and all that. So, so we said we'll go and live there, set up a small coffee shop. And there are like, in India, all the coffee plantations are in like Karnataka, Kerala and Tamil Nadu. Mm. So kind of be the focal point for coffee tourism. Because all these plantations would want would want to show off their properties and this, that. stuff. So a focal point for coffee tourism, maybe kind of launch your own coffee brand. I mean, something as, if you see like in Kenya, like there is a massive, massive coffee brand local. In India, we've just seen like, there is this Tata Coffee and Weaver's Group Bond and Nescafe, Nestle. But why not more? Why can't there be more, 
more bigger scale-up brands. All these other, the craft coffee brands are still very small. So maybe in 10 years' time, things would have evolved. So that's the thought, right? I mean, so now we are thinking of planning vacations as like plantation trips and stuff like that. So this is all pre-COVID. But yeah, so this is like a germ of a thought. Thank you so much, Dhruvang, for your time. We really enjoyed, uh, you know, having this conversation with you. And we really appreciate you coming on our podcast. And some interesting theories out there. <laughs> some very interesting theories as well. <laughs> Thanks a lot for having me. It was great fun talking to the both of you. Look forward to many more of these. Awesome. Sure. Certainly. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you. We hope this podcast encourages you to follow your dreams, listeners. We will be back very soon with more chance takers. Till then, have a good day and do like and share this podcast.